you are listening to a Sunday sermon from St. Thomas Episcopal Church in Bellevue, Washington. We are a community that seeks God's presence, serves Christ and others, and grows together in faith. Welcome to our podcast. The following sermon was preached on the sixth Sunday of Epiphany, February 16, 2020, by the Reverend Steve Best, Associate for Couples and Family Life at St. Thomas. The Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to Matthew. Glory to you, Lord Christ. Jesus said, you have heard that it was said to those of ancient times, you shall not murder, and whoever murders shall be liable to judgment. But I say to you that if you are angry with a brother or sister, you'll be liable to judgment. And if you insult a brother or sister, you will be liable to the council. And if you say, you fool, you will be liable to the hell of fire. So when you are offering your gift at the altar, if you remember that your brother or sister has something against you, leave your gift there before the altar and go. First be reconciled to your brother and sister, and then come and offer your gift. Come to terms quickly with your accuser, while you're on the way to the court with him, or your accuser may hand you over to the judge and the judge to the guard, and you'll be thrown into prison. Truly, I tell you, you will never get out until you have paid the last penny. You have heard that it was said, you shall not commit adultery. But I say to you that everyone who looks at a woman with lust has already committed adultery with her in his heart. If your right hand causes you to sin, tear it out and throw it away. It is better for you to lose one of your members than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. And if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away. It is better for you to lose one of your members than for your whole body to go into hell. It was also said, whoever divorces his wife, Let him give her a certificate of divorce. But I say to you that anyone who divorces his wife, except on the grounds of chastity, causes her to commit adultery. And whoever marries a divorced woman commits adultery. Again, you have heard that it was said to those of ancient times, You shall not swear falsely, but carry out the vows you have made to the Lord. But if I say to you, do not swear at all, either by heaven, for it is the throne of God, or by the the earth, for it is his footstool, or by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king, do not swear by your head, for you cannot make one hair white or black. Let your word be yes, yes, or no, no. Anything more than that comes from the evil one. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Christ. Well, today's Gospel lesson from Matthew presents the preacher with at least 20 possible sermon topics. How much time do you have? This morning we are Jesus' students again, and we are in his classroom. His curriculum is still from the Sermon on the Mount. 
Jesus is calling us to get to the bottom of things. He is challenging us to not be satisfied with just knowing the letter of the law, but exploring the deeper emotions that form the spirit behind the law. Because I can only do one sermon for today, I'm going to choose to preach on the most misunderstood emotion of all, anger, and the most difficult of spiritual practices, reconciliation. Anger is currently the emotion that seems to be most visible in our culture and is of special concern to us as Christians. We are instructed by Jesus to speak the truth in love and to attempt to resolve conflicts without engaging in violence, estrangement, and divisiveness. This was such an important subject that Jesus told his early followers to stop what they were doing, even if it was in the midst of worship, to set down their offering before the altar and then take go take active steps to be reconciled with your brother or sister that you were in conflict with. Then, and only then, return and offer the gift to God. Every Sunday morning, while worshiping, we too are reminded to stop and to do the same, to address the anger and the hurt in our lives that might interfere with our receiving the fuller presence of God in communion. Our weekly confession begins, let us confess our sins against God and our neighbor. Then it's followed by, we have not loved you with our whole heart. We have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. And then after the confession and the absolution, we are invited to exchange the peace as a visible sign that we have been or desire to be reconciled to our neighbor. In our Christian tradition, there's been a lot of confusion around anger. Is it bad? Is it good? Is it bad and good? Often this confusion begins with what we think Jesus did with anger and conflict. I'll never forget the time I gave a presentation to a room of 25 couples preparing for marriage. I do believe there were already two couples in a disagreement before the seminar began. This was at University of Presbyterian Church, so you must know that I wasn't picky on St. Thomas. I kept hearing from the group when it came to anger that Jesus, well, Jesus always turned the other cheek, to which I responded, yes, but that's not all of what he did. Sometimes Jesus drew a hard line in the sand and forcefully challenged people to stop doing what they were doing, just as it is in the case of the money changers, the temple, ripping people off by monetizing religion. Sometimes Jesus deliberately avoided going into conflict situations and withdrawing, such as when he left for the desert near Ephraim to avoid the persecution by the religious authorities. In other words, Jesus engaged in a type of practice known as discernment, processing his emotions and his motivations, setting aside his own biases to let in the spirit of God to lead him. Now, anger is morally neutral, but what we do with it is not. Improperly handled, it can destroy your body and your soul. Modern medicine has identified that it's harder on your body than almost any other emotion. Anger can destroy communities and marriages, families. It is clearly harming our country. It could be a type of addiction. But anger can also be a very good thing. 
It can mobilize us to take action to protect ourselves and what we believe. It reminds us when our boundaries have been crossed or violated. Anger can propel us to stand up for a cause. Without righteous anger, there would have been no civil rights movement in our country. Our buses, our schools would all still be segregated. Without a women's right movement, women in this country would still not be able to vote. Throughout scripture, you can see that God is slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. This is the middle way that we Anglicans are so fond of finding. Not ever having or expressing anger is impossible and not even wise. It will either give you an ulcer or you'll adopt a pattern of conflict avoidance and passive aggression that will lead you to many headaches and damaged relationships. On the other hand, an explosive kind of anger that leads to intimidation and dominance and aggression is emotional dynamite, and it has the capacity of blowing everything up, even if there was a kernel of goodness contained within it. So there we are, laid before us, the danger of expressing no anger when anger is called for, and the danger of explosive anger that has no cause, no just cause at least, and no constructive purpose. Now, you'll probably notice the gospel lesson includes the word hell three times. It's not a favorite concept for us here at St. Thomas. I always say we're fully capable of creating our own personal hell. We don't need God to do that. We do need God to help deliver us. God invites us to stay with the slow anger, the middle way, to allow us to carefully discern how and when and if to express it. For honest with ourselves, we need some kind of healing around anger. If we divide the room into thirds, don't worry, I'm not going to do it literally, metaphorically, a third of us would need to express more of our anger directly and straightforwardly. Probably a third of us would need to reel in our anger a bit and be more diplomatic. The final third, or maybe it's more than a third, seeing this is the passive Pacific Northwest, the final third would be those of us that consistently deny that we have any anger at all. The biggest gift we can give ourselves is to acknowledge and be aware of our anger and how it interferes with our ability to become the agents of reconciliation that God desires for us. Anger is often, oddly, a form of love, and it appears when something or someone we love or care about is threatened. The problem is, is that we don't always love what God loves. And this disordered kind of love causes the worst destruction, and either in a passive or in an active form. Sometimes we love to be right more than we love doing what is right for the health of a relationship. Sometimes we love financial security more than our love for those in need. Sometimes we love the status quo more than our love for changes that will allow the grace of God to flow. We all need the guidance of the Holy Spirit in these matters to understand if we are truly, well, what we truly love is truly from God, and whether our anger is healthy or unhealthy. And so I invite all of us this morning to offer our gifts to God before his holy altar. Please do keep your pledges up to date, but know that the greatest love that we can offer God is the gift of a reconciled heart. Amen. Amen.
For more information about St. Thomas Episcopal Church, please visit our website at www.stthomasmedina.org.